Collegiately speaking. Walks into the end zone. Punches to the end zone. This is Collegiately Speaking. With the voice of Northwestern football and basketball, Dave Enning, and former Northwestern star quarterback, Dan Persa. It's Collegiately Speaking. Let's go. And welcome to this week's edition of Collegiately Speaking. Dave Ennett with former Northwestern quarterback Dan Persa. Season is winding down the fourth quarter of the season, as Coach David Braun likes to say. You divide the season into three games, uh, three-game quarters, and now quarter number four begins, three games to go at Wisconsin this week. Uh, last Saturday, trip out to Wrigley Field. It was a nice day, really nice Day for the first Saturday in November, a defensive struggle. We sat here last week, Dan, and talked about, well, how many points are we going to see put up there? And we got our answer. It looked like it was it looked like a game that was going to overtime at 14 points total scored in the game. And then Iowa able to muster a late field goal to pull it out by a score of a 10 to 7. And a tough loss for the Wildcats, who had a great chance to score in the fourth quarter. They did come back and score and tie the game, but then uh, one of the rare hiccups, they didn't give up much defensively all day and just gave up enough for a long-range field goal for Iowa. Yeah, like you said, a great atmosphere and and a lot of fun, I'm sure, for for the guys, but a a tough loss. Uh, Like you said, a a defensive struggle that was (laughs) left a lot of fans uh, pretty bored at times, uh, but that that's going to happen, especially when you're playing Iowa with such a good defense. But overall, I thought you know they played decently well. The offense or the defense played extremely well uh, against a you know frankly a poor offense. And you know I, I think I was a little bit disappointed, especially in the first half and in, in the offensive play calling. I think they could have done a little a, a little bit more to to get more players involved um, and and kind of put some more pressure on them as they did in the second half when they were consistently pushing in in their territory. But like you said, that that first goal line stand was was tough to, to not get any points there and then um, you know getting the ball right back and, and scoring was huge you know I think at the end of the day one of the interesting calls on special teams was was the pooch kick after they scored to give them decent field position instead of you know I, I don't know if it was more of a win play but um, not kicking it out of the end zone I think it ended up being what probably a 10 yard difference at the end of the day which again you know for a 53 yard field goal makes right. a big difference right. um, so that that was a call that left me scratching my head a little bit um, but you know, give it to give credit to Iowa. They, the the quarterback made made a couple big throws down down the line. The kicker, you know, I was sitting kind of on the on the fifty yard line, so it was hard to see whether it was a good kick or not. But I saw the replay when it was behind him. I mean, it couldn't have been more straight. It, it would have hit you know a post in in the middle of the field goal, and it had probably five yards of extra distance. So he nailed it um, in in a pressure situation. So give credit to them. It's it's one that you know you wish Northwestern got given their situation. Um, but again, there's three winnable games staring them in the face right now. So um, hopefully they can flush it and, and get ready for Wisconsin. Yeah, it's uh, going to be an interesting day up at Camp Randall on Saturday. Let's bring in my partner on Northwestern Radio on uh, WGN, good old number 64, Ted Albrecht, joining us as making one of his um, frequent uh, appearances in demand he's hard to it's hard to get him on the schedule but uh, he was able to squeeze us in for a few minutes here teddy what's going on i'm honored i'm honored boys thank you so much for having me you know if i can just make one comment on the on the start is that dave and i were talking about before during and after the game that this was going to be a low scoring affair and we predicted there was going to be four things that could probably 
uh, end up winning the game for either team. A turnover, special teams, a pick six, maybe like a uh, a sack strip and a run. Um, and actually, it was really the kicking game. It was two special teams plays that got the game tied up. We had a punt blocked. They went down and scored. Um, they held us. Um, and then we made them come out, and they kicked that low-line drive with a 23-yard return by by our return guy, AJ, and we yeah. ended up scoring. A.J., so those were two special teams plays that made the game. And I talked with Kurt Anderson yesterday at practice about uh, we thought, Dave and I thought, was going to go in overtime at 7-7. He said, so do we. He said, <laughs> Coach Bajakin and I were talking about the set of plays that we wanted to go with in overtime, and he goes, Coach, I got four, and Bajakin says, let's go with those four. I love it. And he goes, next thing you know, you know, they kick a 50-52-yarder. So kudos to them and bad for us. Yeah, it, it it had the feel of a game that was going to go OT, and quite frankly, I would have liked the Cats' chances in overtime. They've uh, traditionally been pretty good in those situations, including their game against Minnesota earlier this year. But, but Dan, I, I do think that this defense is really kind of undersold as well as they're playing. I, I think they, because of some of their early season games, they don't quite have the gaudy statistics that some of the the defensive teams in the Big Ten do, uh, that and people look at that and make comparisons and, and figure things out and postseason honors and all that kind of stuff. But I think really right now they've played as well. You look at the job they did against Tungo Vailoa and Maryland, and, and granted Iowa has challenges on offense, and that's an understatement, but still, I mean – you don't give up anything to them. They're a Big Ten team, uh, and and I think those things sometimes get lost in the shuffle a little bit. Yeah, I think they're playing great. Like you said, outside of probably Duke, right? Um, and, and Penn State was a little bit of an aberration because th- that that game leaked in the fourth quarter and gave up a couple couple plays. I think they're playing great, right? To hold to have losses when you when you hold Nebraska to what fifteen points and then hold Iowa to ten points and really Iowa didn't sustain a drive. To, to Ted's point, outside of the the winning field goal, it was a block punt that they had great field right. position and ended up scoring. So you know. It's it's got to be heartbreaking for them. Um, and as an offensive guy, you're 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 kind of gritting your teeth, saying how how can we not get more than ten? How can we not get more than fifteen? Especially against good defenses, there's ways to manufacture that. So I think that's that's something kind of chips left on the table that that Northwestern needs to, needs to improve on. One thing that that I'd like Ted's opinion on is is the running back room. I think you know I thought Anthony Tyus continues to play really really well. And with the struggles at offensive line, I, I think he's just very decisive. Uh, he's downhill runner. He doesn't cut, you know, b- before the before the line. I think anytime he touches the ball, it gives a lot of consistency. And, and as we know, as it gets, gets colder, running the ball is, is very important. Ted, what's what's kind of your take on getting Tyus the ball more? And maybe why he hasn't gotten the ball more, especially given his successes. Danny, I posed that question a little bit to Kurt Anderson, the O line coach, yesterday at practice, and I said. Is there a, a planned effort to get Tyus more carries? And we've seen when he's had great success in these last couple games. And he said, absolutely. But remember, if you want to be a full, complete back, you've got to do every aspect of your assignment. And that means you also have to be a part of the, uh, the pass protection package. And where he's kind of uh, slipped a little bit, he's not been able to pick up incoming linebackers, blitzing linebackers on pass protection. 
So that is why he hasn't got as many carries as often as we would like. But he's definitely downhill, lower center of gravity. He's he's a, about 10 to 15 pounds heavier than Cam Porter. He can bring it. And he said that this week in practice, he's done an extra effort to make sure that he stays up on his feet, keeps his head up. Don't get over your shoes. Don't get over your shoelaces and stay upright. So that's going to be very important when they're because these guys are going to bring blitzes. They, they like to bring, they're not exotic as some other teams we've played this year, but you have to have all 11 people a part of that protection scheme. Yeah, I think that makes sense, and and that's that's a great point, right? You can't stick a guy out there because sooner or later the defensive coordinator is going to know that it's not going to be a pass play if he's out there. Um, so that's that's great insight. By the way, this Wisconsin this Wisconsin team is no slouch either defensively, as Ted alluded to, and uh, offensively they have some issues right now with some injuries. Uh, their quarterback Tanner Mordecai has been out, Braylon Allen, their top running backs out, and of course they'd already lost uh, Chesma Lucy, uh, Shimray DK, their top receiver has been out, and and they're really it's uncertain whether any of those guys are going to play this week up at Camp Randall Stadium. So. Uh, just as Iowa lost some key guys on offense to injury, uh, Wisconsin has also. And uh, even before that, they haven't been quite as explosive as maybe they've been the last few years, even with this new air raid offense. So uh, this is going to be interesting. I, I think Northwestern, this the last two years against Wisconsin aside, they've traditionally played pretty well against the Badgers. And this could be a game not unlike what we saw at Wrigley Field Saturday, Ted. Dave, I, I totally agree with you. I can't agree with you more. I had a nice conversation today after practice with Tim McGargle, the linebacker's coach, and I said, how can you please explain to me how Xander can get 19 tackles in week eight, and then in week one you got Bryce Gallagher getting 19 tackles. That's got to be a combination of scheme and what you're doing defensively and then how you put your, your linebackers in the right position. He said it's absolutely true. He said in this particular game, based on what I was running and what we saw on film, I went to Xander and I said, Xander, this is going to be your game. You're the guy that's going to have the most tackles, and you've got to get it done. Just like when we've had other games and I told other players the same thing. And so I think he's doing a great job of coaching those linebackers. He, I've followed him in preseason camp. He's an excellent teacher. He really does it with passion, just like when he played as the all-time leading tackler here. He's an amazing coach. But I think this defense, and I, I just, I just, as you have said um, earlier in this program, is that the, the stats do not prove it. And I, I heard Fickle this week in this, kef, this press conference say the same exact thing. He said, don't close your eyes on this defense. They're a lot better than their stat show. All right, before I let you go, Ted, f- final question as a, f- first of all, having spoken with Kurt Anderson, the offensive line coach, and being a former offensive lineman yourself, can you explain the rash of penalties that the Wildcats have seen, especially the last two, three games? So I, I did not speak to him about that, but I did speak to him about something else, and it all kind of lines together. I always talk about drive stoppers. Drive stoppers are penalties and sacks, and those penalties can come in the form of you know your third and one, and you have a you know you jump offside. Okay, they can come in a holding penalty. So I said, 
we had eight penalties against Nebraska, and we also had eight sacks. Now, we know those sacks were not all in the offensive line. I already explained that on the air. I talked to him about it. We all agreed. I watched the film afterwards. That Those eight sacks can be spread around. But I talked to our to to our tight ends coach, we had in one game, in one game in Nebraska, three tight ends on holding. It's very simple. When you get the hands outside the framework, you're outside now on the sh- outside of the shoulder pads. You have an official right on the line of scrimmage. He's looking at you. You're the easiest guy to see. If that defender starts to get away with you, you have to drop him. You have to get your hands off him or move them inside. That's not what we taught back in the day, but that's the way they're teaching now. You do not get your hands off, and you start to torque him or turn him. They're going to f- throw the flag, and that's exactly what's happening. And you have to get your hands off that guy on the outside of the framework, and even offensive left tackle. They're going to call it. Never happened to you. <laughs> no, I never held. Never got caught. No. I was a very decent, a bylawing, a bylawing citizen. I. <laughs> Yes, you were. Uh, Okay, so are you going to be there Saturday? No, I'm scared. I'm not coming. I think she has to do the job. Hey, Dan. Dan, I don't know if you know, but I kept saying on the air, Brendan Sullivan is not, he's not Danny. He's not Danny. What what are we doing? Tell me either get out of bounds or get down. But he, you know, he can't make up his mind. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that I, he did, you know, decently well in, in their win the previous week, but still struggles with, you know, just being decisive in the pocket, right? You know, at the end of the day, as an offensive lineman, there's nothing worse than than covering somebody up for three, four, five seconds and giving up a sack when it's really not your fault. Um, and he he's got to do a better job of sticking his foot in the ground and getting you know two to five yards and and just being decisive, right? And and I think he did that, like I said, in the previous week, but. You know, being decisive, he's taking care of the ball decently well, but you just can't, like you said, have those those drive killing sacks, especially when the offensive line but is, is holding up. Ted did give you full credit for that. He said you came up, you ambushed him in a grocery store, <laughs> and uh, told him. That. I always did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ted, I will see you in and Madison. By the way, yeah, yeah. By the way, you still hold an all time record for completion percentage in NCAA history, Danny. All right, we'll keep it going. Hopefully, uh, Talia keeps throwing incompletions. You know, I think he knew that, Ted, but I think he could tell you the exact percentage to the tenth of a point. But uh, I think it's seventy-two point nine to be exact, or something like that. No, he's something shaking like his that. head. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. People will let me know when it's broken. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Hey, Ted, thanks. We'll see you see you at Camp Randall Saturday. Oh, enjoy. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, thanks, see Ted. you. That's Ted Albrecht. And uh, some good points there, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think you know at the at the end of the day, you know his his comment on Tyus and being a little bit more of an, an all around player is is really important because um, you can't stick him out there and be one dimensional. And, and I think you know having the feedback from from the linebacker coach Tim McGargle, who I obviously love, um, is interesting too. But yeah, you know I think you, know, you just rattled off kind of the injuries to the Wisconsin team and I thought they played pretty well against Ohio State. Um but they're a very beatable team. But at the end of the day Camp Randall's a really hard place to play. Um it, we'll see, you know how the how the, the student section turns out. Um but if it's going to be a nice day, I'm, I'm sure they'll they'll turn out in full force, but yeah, I mean, I think you know you can count on the defense playing well, especially with that amount of injuries on offense. And then you know it's it's really a question of can can Northwestern somehow manufacture twenty points? Because I think I don't think Wisconsin's getting over that number. Well, we've got a special guest on the line right now. There we go, third down, third and two here at the eleven. Right, 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 right. 
Marty drops into the gun. Iro to his right. See if he gets the ball. Yep, he will. And Iro bursts right up the middle, untouched for the touchdown. Ray Niro gets his first touchdown. And the Wildcats have topped the 40-point mark. 44-6 with 5.36 to go. Turning back the clock a little bit here on Collegiately Speaking, Dave Ennett, Dan Persa, pleased to welcome. He was number 23, then he was number one, now he's number 23 again, Raymond Niro, uh, to this week's Collegiately Speaking. Ray, I'm sure that took you back a little bit, huh? Yeah, that's crazy. That that, that, that was 2019. It feels like forever ago. Well, I mean, you, you have been on the scene with the Wildcats, and we appreciate you taking some time to be with us today. Uh, 28 to 2018, uh, you came out of Barrington High School, joined the Cats, and here you are in your your sixth season. And uh, certainly you've had some highs, the two trips to the Big Ten Championship game, bowl appearances, uh, some some scuffles along the way. But what stands out now as you get ready? I I, I don't think you can play beyond this year, but <laughs> what uh, – what are you what are you thinking as you look towards winding down your career at Northwestern? Yeah, this this was my last year. I mean, when I came back it was just kinda of more of a mindset that like, you know, I didn't want to go out like I don't want the eleventh squad and I knew we were way better than that. So, you know, to end the season just kinda of end it how go out the way that I wanna go out. Like and that's like how like I sh- I should go out and with wins and just playing gritty and you know, being out there. So that's kind of how I want to go out today. You finally got on the field for the first time this season. Uh, we didn't yeah. know if you were going to be able to, to play, uh, but you yeah. did play at Wrigley Field. What did that moment mean to you to finally get out there? Yeah, it was nice. I mean, you you get an injury in camp, and then you don't know if you're going to be able to come back. And then being able to come back in the Wrigley game was, was awesome. And, you know, now that I kind of knocked the rust off a little bit, being able to come going to Wisconsin would be nice. Right. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, Dan Persa here. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about uh, get a, your your guys' mindset in the last couple games down the stretch, trying to get you know two wins to, to get to bowl eligibility, which would be you know obviously a huge feat for the team. Um, tough loss against Iowa, but maybe talk a little bit about the team's mindset uh, going into Wisconsin. Yeah, moving forward, I just think, you know, it's all about just finding ways to get a win, you know, like and not accepting anything other than that. I think that's the biggest mindset going forward is like our goals are like right in front of us and whether that be a big 10 championship or a bowl game or whatever. But right now we're just focusing on just what can we do to, to get wins? What can we do to, to get more points than them at the end of the day? Have you sensed anything different Ray uh, playing on the road with this team? I mean, you've you've certainly had an opportunity on the road a couple of weeks ago at Nebraska. Easily a game you could have won, but but you haven't been able to get a road win yet. Do you sense anything yeah. different? Coming into this week, yeah, this is my true first road game playing with the guys, but I know like it's more of like a road warrior mindset this week. Dudes are ready to just kind of lock in. 74, 75 guys locking in, bonding together, and you know, coming out with a dub. You have been known as uh, one of the best special teams players around, uh, which you know is in no way meant to uh, to disregard your play on offense. But I mean, that's kind of where you made a name for yourself on special teams. What's the key 
to being that guy, to being a special teams uh, warrior, as you would put it? Yeah, I think it's one is just uh, playing with like great effort, great speed, and then just caring about the little details of everything. Like, yes, I watch film on on offense and on what their defense is going to do and what looks that I need to run a certain route off of. But I'm also watching just the amount of film on how their punt returner what his first move is when he catches the ball. Does he like going right? Does he like, you know, going left? And then I could kind of be ready for stuff like that. So I feel like I watch special teams tape just as much as I watch offensive tape. And then the last is just kind of playing fearless. Uh, You know, kickoff is not for the faint of heart. You know, you kind of have to (laughs) put your head in there and just like say whatever. And, uh, you know, I kind of developed that mindset, especially with coaches here. Just It's just a gritty mindset. I, I love playing that. Now, you were a quarterback at uh, Barrington High School, right? Yeah, I was a QB. Yeah? I mean, if you you call it that, I was running it every time, you know, four verts, and then I'd take off. And and that's why the transition for you at Northwestern was was pretty easy, right, to to go to play a different position? Yeah, it was was super easy to be able to play because I felt like I was more of a running back in high school and then, I mean, adjusting the wide receiver, adjusting all these other special teams positions were hard at first, but then you kind of just get the hang of it and, you know, you kind of get your confidence in practice and then you go out in the game, make a few plays, and you're like, okay, I could actually do this stuff. Well, you're one of the the older guys on the team, and as uh, this season starts to wind down, how how would you characterize the transition with uh, Coach Braun coming in and, and how you've adjusted and how he's adjusted? Yeah, honestly, as a transition as a player, it's more about you focus a lot more on yourself. And it's like, what can I do to help the team, you know, be successful? Like people are, seems like a lot of guys are doing that. And like with a lot of change, like you could just focus on a lot of other stuff, a lot of other distractions of like, what are people saying about this? What are things going on? But I feel like a lot of the guys put great effort and mindset into all right, what what can I do to to be successful myself to help the team just get an inch better or a day better? Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest transition was that. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess you know, we're visiting with Raymond Nairo, the Wildcats, ahead uh, of this week's game with Wisconsin. All right. Uh, speaking of transitions, as you come to the end of your career at Northwestern, what's the future hold for you? <laughs> yeah, future. I mean, I'm just gonna feel how these last games go you know like I felt really good in the Iowa game knocked a lot of rust off you know if I'm able to I'm feeling like I'm 100% going into Wisco so kind of just taking it day by day and seeing seeing what what takes it from there you like playing up there Camp Randall yeah that's probably that was like the first time I made a big play I remember in 2019 they the punt returner muffed the ball and I fell on it and that was like my big first moment so it's like always uh sentimental going up there so i'm excited to uh, maybe hopefully it's not that cold <laughs> no i don't think it's gonna it's supposed to be a nice day a relatively really? nice day well it's okay. it's gonna be cool but not not like it was that day i, I remember that yeah. remember yeah. that well hey yeah. raymond we appreciate your time uh it's been an awful lot of fun to watch you over the years and uh, we look forward to some more big plays from you before the end of this season all right but thanks for taking the time thanks so much guys it, it means a lot Thanks, Ray. You bet. Raymond Iro of the Wildcats. Quite a career, Dan. In his his sixth year, he was voted the number one jersey, which is 
a high honor in this program. He wore that last year. In fact, first time he had that number on, he, he scored a touchdown over in Dublin. Uh, yeah. against Nebraska. Yeah, he's a great kid. I didn't embarrass him, but I I uh I've known Ray and his family for a long time. I actually worked with him as like quarterback quarterback lessons, you know, way back when. So when he was saying he was just a running back, he kind of subtly offended me. Um <laughs> but no, he's he's a great kid, great parents, uh you know, great athletic family and and I followed his career obviously very closely. So happy for him to finally be healthy. I know he he was a walk on then earned a scholarship. So um, you know, hoping he can he can stay healthy for the last couple of games and make some big plays on special teams and and on offense. Well, two thirty game on Saturday at Camp Randall. Uh, the early games Saturday, Illinois hosting Indiana, coming off their big win at Minnesota, and of course Indiana coming off the win over Wisconsin last week. Uh, you've got Michigan, Penn State. And uh, Maryland at Nebraska. The other 2.30 games, Iowa hosting Rutgers, Minnesota playing at Purdue. And under the lights, it's Michigan State at Ohio State. Before we get to Super Joe's prediction, did want to extend our condolences to the family of Matt Ulrich. Uh, Matt, uh, former offensive lineman for the Wildcats, a team captain, went on to play in the NFL, won a Super Bowl with the Colts, and uh, passed away this week, just 41 years old. So, Certainly, we send our thoughts and prayers to his his family. Yeah, he was one of the guys that, you know, when I first got there in, in 2007, people continued to talk about just his leadership and his strength and, and the type of player he was. So so very sad for the, for the Northwestern football family. Absolutely. All right, let's, uh, let's get to uh, Super Joe's prediction. Prediction to say or estimate a specified thing will happen in the future. Super, Super Joe's predictions. predictions. Listen. I know, you know, we all know, your boy is struggling, but that is not a reason to give up. It's not. I am, however, going to take a week off from the Big Ten. Let's stick in the Midwest, though, and head to Columbia, Missouri, where the Tigers host SEC East divisional rival Tennessee on Saturday at 2.30 on CBS. The game total is set at 58.5. Both teams are averaging over 30 points scored per game this season. In fact, Mizzou had scored 30-plus points in six straight before running into back-to-back reigning champion Georgia last week. Speaking of last week, Tennessee had over 58.5 on their own against UConn. So let's do it. Over 58.5. What could possibly go wrong? Wait, wait. Don't answer that. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've learned that lesson along the way. Uh, And uh, Saturday in Madison, the Cats and uh, the Badgers, of course, will have it for you on WGN Radio pregame at 2 o'clock. The kick at 2.30. Camp Randall Stadium, always one of my favorite places uh, to visit in the Big Ten. And... uh, Seen a, a fair share of Northwestern success up there over the years, so we'll see what, what they can do this week. Yeah, I think they can get it done. Um, they're still yet to win back-to-back games, so right. they're due for, due for a win. But they're also yet to lose back-to-back exactly. games. Exactly, that's what I mean, so they're, they're, they're due for a win here. <laughs> All right, should be a good one. I hope you'll join us then. Many thanks to our producer, Jack Heinrich. Thanks to Super Joe for his predictions. Thanks to Teddy Albrecht and Raymond Nairo for joining us. For Dan Purse, I'm Dave Ennett. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you again next week on Collegiately Speaking.